The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 5. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak. He taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for this All Saints Sunday, especially for the saints who have gone before us, loved ones who have died here on earth and are with you in heaven. Bless us and open our hearts and minds to receive your word. Amen. Some people say that very soon Jesus is coming back to judge the earth. Some people say that before he comes, there will be a period of trial and tribulation here on earth. Some people also say that those who have faith in Jesus will be spared from these trials. They'll be taken away in a rapture. Lies. Or as my sister likes to say, freshly baked lies. That's not in the Bible. It's fiction. The Bible says, and ancient history says, that a rapture is when a special person visits a town or city, like the Caesar or another high dignitary, and a delegation of people temporarily go out of the city to receive that person and escort them in. The Christian rapture would be when Jesus comes, we have eyes open to see him and invite him into this world. Rapture is not an escape mechanism. Revelation chapter 7 this morning that we read says that the faithful saints robed in white around the lamb seated on the throne are the ones who were in the great ordeal. They didn't skip it. They were the ones who hungered and thirst and endured the scorching heat, and they were the ones who washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They will be the ones who are sheltered and cared for by the Lamb who is seated on the throne. 
If the lamb loves and protects those who have suffered, why doesn't the lamb do something about it here on earth? Why not help victims of violence today? Well, funny that you should ask this, because maybe God is doing something about those who are suffering here on earth. Maybe the whole reason we are a church that we gather is to alleviate and prevent the suffering of the world. What if we are the saints dressed in white who worship God by serving our neighbor? What if it is by our acts of righteousness that we wipe away the tears from anyone who suffers? In many ways, our planet is very young and we are still figuring out as a species how to live sustainably. It would be a shame if Jesus came back to earth and there was nobody here to receive him. Today, Jesus teaches us from the Beatitudes not so much what we can expect after death, but how we should survive as people today. So we turn to the gospel remembered by Matthew chapter 5, and it says, Jesus, he saw the crowds gathered and he went up a mountain. He sat down and the disciples gathered around him. And he began to speak and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Spirit refers to breath. And so here the blessing is for those who have a hard time breathing. This is a shocking pronouncement in many ways. The sensation of not being able to breathe can be terrifying. Jesus himself would suffer this on the cross. When you die on a cross, you die from not being able to breathe. And so why would Jesus zero in on such a terrible condition and call it blessed? He does this because if we think that those who are suffering are either cursed or forsaken by God, then we might try to avoid them rather than help. But if we think someone is blessed by God, then we want to be around them and help them so that some of God's blessing might rub off on us as well. Imagine if the whole world clamored to be with those who struggle to breathe, to care for them. What a different world this would be. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. And Jesus said that those who mourn will be comforted and be blessed. They are blessed. We think of the pain that a person feels when they lose someone that they love. This pain of loss is again, not a sign of being forsaken or judged by God. Rather, it is a blessing. Again, we can call and reach out to those who are mourning to seek their friendship, expecting to be blessed in the process. There we will find comfort too. If we see those who are mourning as being blessed and we all go out and reach and try to be blessed by them, then they will be comforted and we will comfort each other.
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This one actually makes a lot of intuitive sense. First of all, the same pattern is repeating. For those who have faith, we see God's blessing not in the powerful, the comfortable, or the rich, but in the humble. Secondly, think of those human interest news stories you see on TV once in a while about people or even animals that live to a very old age with a good quality of life. They are almost always people who are meek and not what you would consider ambitious. Jesus said that the earth belongs to the meek probably because they aren't as interested in exploiting it. So if we happen to be privileged with stewarding land and earth, we should do so with special consideration of the meek. Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are those who are hunger, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. There's two points here. First is that when we dedicate our life to wanting to do what is right, to be righteous, we will succeed. We will succeed. The second point here is that for those who have experienced a lack of righteousness, maybe they've been hurt by injustice, not treated fairly, Jesus says that they are blessed. Why? So that all people of faith would see the grace and worth of our neighbors and seek to be in fellowship. The fact that Jesus promises them to be filled means that there will be righteousness. The mechanisms of unrighteousness are ultimately flimsy and they will collapse. As Dr. Martin Luther King said, the arc of the universe is long, but it does bend toward justice. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. The blessing changes here for the second half of the Beatitudes. If you notice, the first four Beatitudes are focused on people who might be hurting or suffering in different ways. Now the next four are focused on those who have the ability to take action, who have happened to have strength and we can do something. So listen again, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. People have also noticed that the Beatitudes, the first four match the second four. So if you look at the first four and, and the way Jesus um, has those four different ways that people might be hurting, the next four match up with them perfectly. So for those who show mercy, this matches with the first beatitude. It is a true miracle of life that persons who have been hurt are able to forgive so generously. Maybe being merciful means being aware of others' needs. And when we take some action, our past failings can be forgiven. That is really good news. Then Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure in heart are those who are truthful and do things for the right reasons, not out of selfish motives. This is important if we pair this with those who mourn. Other places, Jesus chastises religious leaders who take advantage of widows. That's very bad. But if we are pure in heart, it means that we minister with love to those who are mourning and we are honest 
and we speak with integrity. That's all the blessing that one needs. It also means that God knows what it's like to mourn. Of course, God's son, Jesus, died on the cross. And so when we are with people who mourn, we are with God because God has mourned. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers are called to defend the meek. Conflict and war sometimes is about a stronger person taking advantage of a weaker one. But not so with a peacemaker. A peacemaker builds trust with the meek. Not only are we blessed when we do this, we are children of God. This means royalty, kings and queens. This comes by being a peacemaker. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Earlier we heard about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now we hear about those who are persecuted for trying to bring about righteousness. What is the difference? The difference is that when we share fellowship with those who hunger and thirst, we might end up having some hunger and thirst ourselves. Sometimes hardship can rub off on us in the form of persecution. Oscar Romero said that when he fed the poor, they called him a saint. But when he asked why the people were poor, they called him a communist. That's persecution that follows from striving for righteousness. And all of that is proof that you are in the kingdom of heaven. This really makes us think. Sometimes we're led to believe that heaven is a place free of persecution, but not so according to Jesus in the Bible. Rather, he just told us in the Beatitudes that if you are under hardship and receiving persecution, it's a sign that you are actually in heaven. You are doing the work of God. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He didn't say that there will be a reward. He said that it is the reward. So you can see how the Beatitudes are nothing about a pie in a sky after we die. They are 100% about preparing us to live a godly life right here on earth and giving us a sober and honest preparation for what we can expect by doing it. In a nutshell, nothing is going to be easy, but we can be sure that in the process, God will see us. We're about to start a new book at Sunday school. It's not too late to join in. It's a uh, it's about Jesus. It's by O'Reilly and Dugard called Killing Jesus. And one of the things that they uh, mention in their book about history is the title Son of God. Interestingly enough, David, King David, called himself a son of God, meaning he was royalty. I'm a king. I'm a son of God. But it wasn't just Jewish people who did this. Caesar Augustus did it as well. He called himself Devephilius, son of God. And then Jesus comes along and does the same thing. Jesus says, I am a son of God. 
And when he does that, he's intentionally pushing back against Caesar and David. And then today, in our second reading, thank you, Anelia, we hear John telling us in the letter, 1 John, that we, we, you, are children of God. You are daughters of God. You are sons of God. We are children of God. We are part of a holy and anointed priesthood. We are made in the divine image and we are divine. We are the body of Jesus. So rise up, people. Rise up, saints of God. Amen. And now you may rise up and we sing our hymn of the day for all the saints during this time.